0: missing car alert have you seen my car a black od with license plate l333393 missing from limerick the owner john murphy that's me i'm john murphy right and i'm seeking the public's help in locating my car robbed outside my door last saturday early sunday i know i drove it home from the pub and parked outside my door and it's gone if you have any information regarding the whereabouts of my car, contact me, John Murphy, immediately via Bangor Road Garda Station. They know me in there. Don't talk to anyone but Con Scott, Sergeant Scott. He's on the case. Any details, no matter how small, could be crucial in the search for my car, robbed outside my door. Okay, Black Audi. L three 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 nine three three. Go on, that'll do, Margaret. Hit
1: stop on that there for me.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Engage. This
1: tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Two. Just one more thing. I want to go to there. Bitch. The language, unbelievable. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>
0: Admiral on the bridge And Captain on the bridge You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up Taking or engaging in fire Crash landing, expectedly or unexpectedly Those
1: were the days
0: There is something coming Battle stations some kind of attack
1: and Starfleet could be the target there's a darkness an all-consuming darkness
0: and it is getting stronger
1: John luc trust no one Jean-Luc Picard have dangers you and I have traveled to the far reaches of space but
0: something's different now this is the end my friend
1: Geordi such pathetic old warriors but who was once irrational, violent? Is anybody you know still the person you knew? This is life or death. It's always life or death, John Luke, when has it not been? With each ticking moment, I will take another piece of view.
0: Battle stations! Oh, survival <laughs> human nature pal we fight or we die
1: close it gun it i need you all of you
0: we're with you
1: always engage
0: Are you enjoying this? Of course not, are you?
1: Hello, it's me, Kevin. And I'm here with... William. William, how are you, Kevin? I'm grand. What are we doing, Will? We're meant to be on a bloody break. We're meant to be on a break,
0: but then you... Got on the blower to me all excitedly today <laughs> saying that uh, you've watched Picard Season 3, Episode 1. And uh, and I said, oh shit, will we do a, a watch along?
1: <laughs> Even though I should be on a break. Will we do it? Well, we said on the Star Trek episodes that Picard Season 3 was coming and it was going to be a TNG reunion. And we said on that that we hope that they get back to the vibe of the original movies, which was much more joy-filled. And lo and behold, when I watched the first episode today, I said, well, I think we may be onto something here. And I think we need to redeem the TNG cast because we were quite down on those movies.
0: Mm. So I said, let's do it. Simply because I turned into a huge Star Trek fan. And this is not like I've been a huge Star Trek fan all my life. I was kind of like a dormant Star Trek fan. But over the last, yeah, over the last couple of years since I started watching the original series, my love for Star Trek has just grown. And I particularly fell back in love with the TNG cast having rewatched all of the TNG original series. So I was just delighted when there's an opportunity when i knowing there is an opportunity that we're going to get this cast back together and maybe
1: maybe they'll get the send-off that they deserve because they didn't get it in nemesis and it was it just a- did not no. but to give people a bit more context because you didn't really elaborate on this on the star trek episodes we did you got back into the original star trek series because it got you through quite a rough year
0: yes yes we had, we had uh, well, it was COVID. So, first of all, everyone had a rough year. Uh, every, we were on a lockdown. But we had a, a couple of... I had um, a great year.
1: It was fantastic. <laughs> you, you were... Uh, Nobody was doing anything. And I felt like, oh, I had no phone more. Now. I'm right lockstep with everybody else for a change.
0: <laughs> but we had a couple of uh, very close bereavements that year within a couple of months of each other, which made mm. things very, very difficult, uh, particularly in that strange time of COVID as well where the world had gone upside downy then yeah you
1: know, p- people close to you die in in that stage and it's having like, funerals and they're, they're they're being broadcast over streaming yeah. yeah yeah but what is it particularly about the star trek world or, or the vibe of those shows that sort of was a bam for you so specifically what was happening to me was
0: that we, our grief was kind of put on pause like you you the the process of grieving was just frozen in time and when i was going to bed at night normally i would go to bed and i would just read a book and i would be lights out at seven o'clock yeah (laughs) yeah whenever as soon as the kids are down i'm jumping into the the, i'm bouncing into my own bed and (laughs) but that wouldn't work that wouldn't work in 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 during those difficult times and i just felt i needed something there to occupy my frontal lobe and i was just lying in bed wide awake and scanned through Netflix one night and I saw Star Trek the original series I put on the first episode the pilot episode without even without uh, Kirk involved and Mm. there was Pike exactly Pike there was something quite calming about the about the being in this world and it was an idea uh, this I think maybe it was the idea of a future where everything was okay you know a future Mm. that in the in the future, it's going to be fine, and there are going to be challenges. But we have it's we have enough of our own shit sorted out that we can kind of face any of these external things coming in and sort and and shaking things up. And I think in that kind of storm, that tumultuous time in my own life, that message really helped. You know, that message of yeah, we can we, as it as it as a crew ourselves we'll weather the storms together in the future. And I don't know, it just, that continued throughout the original series and it it was reinforced. It was more so with the TNG cast. I just felt even more affection and more comfort in their company, no matter, even if the episodes were shit.
1: Yeah. uh, And for me, it was TNG. I watched that show religiously as a kid. And as I said on that Star Trek episode, I felt like TNG raised me had some great stories and it was just always, it always delivered for me. The movies then, as we said in that episode, they didn't really come through for me in the way that I'd hoped. And this promised to be a course correction, not just for the Picard show. Seasons one and two, I didn't have any affection for In fact, they were my least favorite reboot of any reboot property of the last like 20 years. Um, I thought they completely missed the mark and I was sceptical about coming into this series. And I know for you, it was similar. You just weren't on board. And I was getting more and more hyped. And I was trying to encourage you. And uh, yeah, you were once bitten, twice shy.
0: I didn't even get to the end of season one. I think I got to the final seconds, the last episode. And I just went, no, I'm out. I'm out. I just thought it was so poorly written. I thought the characters were... The characters were just flat and dull. I felt it was such a disservice to Picard's character. And everything that had kind of... The legacy that had gone before it, uh, the ideology of the world was completely... It felt it was completely thrown out out the window where we had a a future, kind of the thing I fell in love with, uh, which was an idea that in the future there's a kind of a solid basis that we've kind of figured things out, you know? And they've,
1: they've drifted very far away from Roddenberry's utopianist ideas for the future. Now it's like, jeez, there's so many saboteurs in the Federation. You'd want to just dismantle the whole thing. It just seems mm. to be uh, rife with uh, backstabbing. But I was tracking the show because I knew that the cast were coming back, to TNG cast. My favourite episode of season one was actually when Riker and Troy had popped back up and you learned that they'd lost a child and it, they were grieving that but overcoming it at the same time and the chemistry between the three of them between you felt the affection between them mm-hmm. and they just hugged at the end of that episode and I was like this is what i want yeah I, I was like it was it was worth it just for that one episode mm-hmm. so when they were coming back and they've a whole new showrunner whole new creative team this one is spearheaded and written by Terry Met- Metallus. i was holding out hope that it would be good the TNG cast are back, but will I give you a synopsis? Please do, yeah. Go on. Okay, well, here we go. It's the 25th century and Commander Beverly Crusher, former Chief Medical Officer of the Enterprise DE, is in danger. Missing for 20 years, she is on the run outside Federation space on board the SS Elias. Mortally wounded after a deadly shootout, she sends a coded distress signal to the only man in the universe she trusts to come true for her, retired Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. But Picard can't do it alone, and Crusher has a warning for him. Trust no one. It seems, unbeknownst to Picard, that shadowy forces are at work and a terrorist attack on the Federation is imminent. Calling upon Captain Riker's help, Picard's former first officer, Mm -hmm. Picard and Riker hatch a plan to rescue Beverly by commandeering Riker's old ship, the Titan, now under the stewardship of a Captain Shaw, a man who does not appreciate having Riker and Picard on board. Yet, with the help of former Voyager crew member Seven of Nine, No, Titan's first officer, Picard and Riker find Beverly, but she's not alone. With her is the son no one knew she had, Jack Crusher.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. Feels like a two-parter. The first part of a two-parter.
1: You know. Do you think so? Yeah. The one thing I liked immediately was (laughs) Crusher pops up. There was all these little like um, like little uh, Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. That They're when they were show. panning over it, it was like, oh, there's her little flowers, there's her pearls, there's her like uh, masks that she would use for the drama club. Yeah, anti uh, liners. I didn't know what the reference of the song was until mm-hmm. later on when Picard said that it was a, <laughs> it was like his um, mixtape that he made for. He put it yes. all on like a, a tape. <laughs> And Probably. I like
0: I like the choice of that piece of music. It's there is uh, it we set the world on fire, isn't it? That piece mm-hmm. of music, yeah. Oh, it's so lovely, and it's so it's. I know it kind of uh, frames it in a kind of a as a, a geriatric kind of uh, cast. But it, well, there's know, no
1: getting away from it. They are pretty geriatric in this season.
0: <laughs> Damn old, and I don't mind it. I don't I love bloody it. Bloody mind it, especially if I could age as gracefully as Riker has. I'd be a happy, happy man. Uh, with all that he still has that energy, he still has that charisma, that twinkle in his eye. My he's
1: great. The double act between himself and Picard was one of my favorite aspects of this. But I'll tell you the other thing I liked is that in this first sequence, Gates McFadden, Crusher, has more screen time than she had in all of Nemesis.
0: Shut the front door. Really?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Honest. So they brought her back. She's been missing for 20 years. She's been in touch with nobody. It turns out that she's cut off everybody from the Enterprise D. And there was a scene that comes later on where Picard admits that it ended on very bad terms with Crusher. And he didn't elaborate on that. Mm. But this episode written by Terry Metalis, directed by Doug R. Neokoski. What did you think of the, how it opened?
0: Yeah, I w- I was engaged immediately. First of all, it's Beverly Crusher, right? And I and I, I would be curious to, to 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 see how, let's say, an audience who doesn't have the same affection for the TNG cast feels about that sequence, uh, you know, versus us who who know and have invested so much in the relationships, particularly the relationship between
1: Crusher and Picard, uh, seeing her the unrequited love between the two of them.
0: It's beautiful. I loved, I loved their uh, their 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 arc or lack of arc or just their relationship in the original series. But knowing that they that she had cut ties with the original cast sent that message. You it's know, bizarre. But it's also really enticing, and and it does a lot of the heavy lifting from a character's point of view because we as an audience know their their deep connection, and when a friend comes calling like that out of the blue. Particularly if it's a, a friendship Saying like help one. me
1: Obi-Wan Kenobi You're my only hope You come charging And you
0: go You don't need any more background information Or Picard doesn't need any information He's going He's going after her. So I love that
1: It was a great sequence And immediately I was like Okay I'm on board This is good This is giving me what I want Crusher's back Okay this could be in good territory here But what really saw me then Was when Picard got the message And he's in his little study and his communicator is beeping mm, And he's been like searching for it Amongst all his little belongings And he pulls out his old red captain's uniform And he decodes the message And the message from Beverly is basically Help me Obi-Wan Kenobi You're my only hope Also trust no one
0: mm-hmm.
1: And what does he do? He immediately Well there's one thing he does Larissa If you don't remember the Picard season 1 or 2 Larissa was almost like Picard's Home helper,
0: yeah. I could. I vaguely remembered her. Yeah,
1: and now she's his partner, and she. Oh, they they're a in little, a relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, <gasps> right. So they have a heart-to-heart late-night tête-à-tête, and she's basically saying, "Yeah, okay. This this woman is obviously out of options, and she's calling upon you. You have to help her." And so Picard calls upon his most trusted ally he can think of, and it's yeah. Riker. Seeing the two of them together. It
0: It's the the magic's there, baby. It's just there. <laughs> These characters we know, and they know each other like they know each other like an old penny, you know. And even though, um, what's his name, Patrick Stewart has gotten old and feeble and doesn't co- isn't quite able. You feel like he's going to be blow over, you know, when he's facing into a strong breeze. Riker feels like still that reliable, sturdy number one. Who's going to be there Propping him up You know It just feels like Oh, oh I love that crazy. dynamic
1: I just love that That sort of like You're going to have to Get through Riker To get at Picard
0: Yeah He's he's Yeah He's going to throw himself In front of anything To save him <laughs> I, I love it I just I genuinely felt I just felt a connection What was happening plot wise Not
1: very much Not very much But I like that I yep. like the fact That it was taking its time That the scenes Were playing out And that there weren't many scenes in this episode. There might have been 25, I'd say, in the whole 55-minute runtime. They take their time. It's not like banging it out. Know, it's plot, 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 exposition, exposition. The characters are, are feeling themselves through the scenes. And Picard and Riker, they meet each other in Guinan's bar, where Guinan has a little... <laughs> what? What? Yeah, well, Whoopi Goldberg turned up in the season two. So that's her bar. They brought that back. and Didn't um notice. She has lots of little Eagle Moss Star Trek models, which I thought was quite funny. They're the actual models that you can buy. So they they panned out on one and she's selling them as like cheap tat. And Riker decodes Crusher's oblique message to him. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, it's threes. So let's tap this in here. Because he
0: references um, he references references uh, an episode from the original series, the best of both worlds. Yeah, I, you see, my memory is so poor, but I kind it was it it, it rung a bell. I went, oh yeah, there was a thing in there, you know. He, Picard wasn't
1: well. It opens awake. with Picard, Picard's captain's log during the best of both worlds episode. I'm not sure why Crusher was listening to that. But well, whether she was listening to that, whether it was just sort of like for our benefit. No, the sure. references were going right back to that. There was a lot of references actually to that time when Picard was assimilated. Well, it would make sense
0: why she was listening uh, She was listening back to it because she was trying to find a specific encoding device that Picard himself might, you know, be able to decode. You know what I mean? It's like a stenography thing. He'll know. He's the only person who has the, the key to decode this the secret message. So it, no, it makes sense. I like it.
1: I like the way they brought Riker into the story. It doesn't feel like they're, they're cramming everything in. It feels like they're quite naturally just going from one character to the next. Yeah, Riker has a plan, which is, okay, right, we need to get to the outskirts of Federation space where Crusher is hiding in a nebula like Wrath of Khan. Also, did you notice that she's wearing the Wrath of Khan collar? She, she was dressed like Carol Marcus. She had the big, you know, puffy collar. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I did. There's a, Also, the font that opens the episode. Oh, in, where it goes in the twenty fifth century generation. Yeah, in the twenty fifth century, but it's um, it's the Wrath of Khan font.
0: Yeah, 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 and that's how the Wrath of Khan opens as well. That's yeah, how Wrath yeah. of Khan opens in the in the twenty third century.
1: So these are all member berries, but they're a the nice kind of member berries. It feels mm. like it's in universe. Anyway, Riker says, okay, let's get on board the Titan and we'll come up with some bullshit excuse. We'll tell them that we want to do an inspection and we'll head out in that direction. And uh is no longer the captain of the Titan. When they immediately get on board the Titan,
0: and I had another positive wave of immediate nostalgia because I'm currently on season, finished, starting season five of Voyager, finished season four, the season in which Seven of Nine the character of Seven of Nine is introduced. And to see her being introduced and becoming a mainstay of the the Voyager cast versus seeing her now, I actually felt a little bit of an emotion. Oh, good. Yeah, to see the the evolution of her character from when she was kind of rescued to, to now in Picard. It felt like a really beautiful, my head just made a beautiful kind of leap of, oh, I'm so happy for her. I'm so hacking on. She's such a good actor. And oh, God, I was so happy, that character.
1: Although it seems that she's quite, she's quite tortured by the fact that she can no longer refer to herself as seven of nine. She is now. It's because of the captain. That's because of the captain.
0: The captain is a prick. He's the main obstacle of this episode. He is the main obstacle.
1: I liked him. I thought as a prick, he's a really good prick. He's the kind of prick you want.
0: For an episode like this, Absolutely. I, that's what I was writing when I was writing my notes I went okay well, everything's going a bit too smoothly we need to have something that'll get in their way and Captain Shaw is the fucking man yeah he was great and the way he, he puts them down the way he just yeah. fucking slates them uh, both, both Riker and Picard it's, it cuts deep it cuts deep because we love these characters and he's just going he's called them reckless
1: and, and, but I, I, I love the acting in that dinner scene yeah the little looks where he, he was like, it's not the kind of wine that I drink. And Picard sort of gives this look of like, yeah. you should just say thank you for the wine. And he's looking at Riker.
0: And, and he's attacking both their passions. He's attacking Picard's wine and he attacks Riker's musical tastes. And it's just like, oh, you fucking pompous
1: prick. It's great stuff. I loved it. I loved it. But you know what else I loved? I love that the humor is back. I love that the characters are able to spark off each other. And when Picard is walking onto the Titan, Riker's giving him the, the the advice like just be very stern. You're an admirable. You're an admiral. <laughs> admirable admiral. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks past the lineup and he stops and looks at one fella and moves his comm badge and he can see how nervous the person is. And it's pure bullshit. Picard doesn't give a fuck but he's just yeah. p- putting on the the uh, pretense of being there for an inspection.
0: You're talking about the, the comedy, Kevin, right? Mm. I made a note of this as well. I found the recent iteration of Star Trek to be so obnoxiously quippy and... Yeah, that's the wrong kind of humor. In humor. Here, the humor is minimal. Understated. Understated, but perfectly placed. For instance, there was the exchange you were referring to earlier on between Picard and Riker when they're on the bridge and they're exiting the, the star dock. It's perfectly placed because it's not just... What they say is beautiful is that Picard kind of corrects uh, Seven of Nine about oh are you not going to you know say something to engineering about the work <laughs> we're going to do and Seven of Nine saying oh no and the not modern, it's all
1: automated no <laughs> it's all automated
0: we don't have to he went oh good 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 uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm glad you're you're going to make captain you know your shit and then uh oh, Riker <laughs> says something like excellent excellent recovery Admiral it's shut it well now <laughs> the timing of it is perfect because it's a, the timing and the situation of the scene because. If that came at a different moment, it wouldn't have worked. But right there, we're excited. We're on the bridge again. And we're excited. And the music's building. This beautiful ship is leaving space dock in that lovely, glorious, awesome way. And so there's excitement in the air. And that's the perfect moment to have a little quip like that, not just randomly throwing shit at each other.
1: It's doing what he said he was going to do. Terry Metallus said he was going to get back to the vibe of Undiscovered Country, that it was going to be a proper send off for the TNG crew. And this, the tone of this is just way more Christmassy. I don't know how else to put it. It just feels like festive. Mm. But there was there's two things we've just blown past and I want to mention. One was that there was somebody in the bar that was watching them. Yes. And he drops that little uh, Federation ship into his drink. It seems that there is going to be some sort of attack on the Federation. Yeah. We don't know what. And in typical TNG classic storytelling sense, there's an A plot and a B plot and usually those two are connected. So whatever Crusher's up against has got to be connected to this attack on the Federation for Frontier Day. But the other thing was, when they get onto the ship, just like in Generations where you had the Enterprise B, mm. Sulu's daughter, you now had LaForge, Sidney LaForge, Geordie's daughter, as the ensign on board the Titan. And her nickname was Crash, Crash LaForge.
0: <laughs> That's right,
1: <laughs> and she's beaming That's actually LeVar Burton's daughter As well His real daughter No
0: way Yeah oh, Keeping lovely. it in the family Also has been dropped in Is we have the plot Of the undercover agent Who's <laughs> Trying to get out Information about this, this This code name Red lady This red lady Which I thought Was a reference To Beverly Crusher because Yeah which red I think
1: they're, they're probably They're doing that on purpose But that's Raffy Raffy was in Picard Season 1 and 2 Oh I kind of thought She was familiar Okay right So She's the only returning cast member, aside from uh, Seven of Nine, that, that that has returned for this. They mm-hmm. got rid of all the other ca- cast. Um, no big loss, to be honest. Took him around the back. <laughs> Took him around the back. Blow the brains out. Yeah. Raffi has a drug problem, and that was one of her big struggles in Picard season one. And also, she mentions in this that she, her girlfriend broke up with her. Do you know who her girlfriend is? No. Seven of Nine. What? It, mm. Was
0: this established in the previous seasons? Yeah,
1: yeah. There were a couple. So they've split up. So was Seven
0: and Nine in in season two of Picard? Season one and two. Oh, I didn't... I've I, I completely forgotten that she appeared She was a
1: ranger two. in season one. Yeah. Oh, they were wow. together. They're no longer together. But I thought when I saw this, oh, Raffi sort of slid right down the pole and she's now at rock bottom. But no, she's putting on the pretense of that because she's working undercover for a secretive handler and she's getting information about some sort of plot that's afoot and it involves something to do with the Red Lady. and We don't know what that is. Mm. So she's getting information on that and they're seeding that through the, the story and it's happening outside of Picard's main mission, which is to go and rescue Beverly. So Picard is not aware of this, but we're aware of it. We have that dinner scene then, that fantastic dinner scene between Shaw, Riker, Seven of Nine and Picard. Lots of tension. He basically smacks him down, says that you're a retired Admiral. I'm not going to listen to you because they want to take him on a bullshit quest to go out t- towards the, I, th- I can't remember what the nebula is called, but it's some sort of nebula where Beverly is hiding. And uh, he says, no, I'm not doing it. Good luck. This is not your ship. And he, he puts them, he puts them in bunk bed quarters. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Picard on the bottom bunk, and Riker right yeah. above, and, yeah.
0: And hes said, and Picard is like, "This is so, so humiliating.
1: humiliating. <laughs> it's the right kind of humor. I just, I, I I'm enjoying it.
0: It's a not, it's, it's not humor for the sake of humor. It's not, it's not okay. We need to find it funny, but Bezier, it's." It's situational. It's it's yeah. believable within the context of the moment, and it's it's not characters trying to be quippy for the sake of it. No, you know? it's
1: not characters trying to yuck it up. It's them reacting in the moment
0: naturally. There was another. Th- there's another thing I realized while watching it, and it gave me a kind of a happy happy tickle. Was that where? If what you, part of your body for you, the tickle? You? Just there, there in that little Star Trek corner of my heart. <laughs> If you reframe this episode, right? If you imagine that this is a new, uh, let's say, an old series about uh, a new a, a, a new series about of Star Trek about the crew of the Titan, and this is an episode where, let's say, the main characters are Shaw, but ultimately it's going to be Seven and Nine, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the this is an episode where these two old you have change it to their point of view, these two old uh, retired. Starfleet officers, seriously revered, come on board and uh, and basically are trying to con their way. You could, you know, t- t- take control of the ship and whatnot. You could see it being one of those episodes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, know, you can feel it. Which they've done see how, in the past.
1: And I, but I, Jellicoe, I, I like. Well, Jellico was actually a, a legit captain, but yeah,
0: but but now we're seeing it from the point of view our main protagonists are the infiltrators and they're on board the ship that's
1: the OG movies and I love that it's a heist yeah, I love it. it's a
0: very subtle heist but we're back on the bridge we're off an adventure my only hope no I haven't seen the trailer trailer's great by the end of this episode they leave the Titan okay and we're on we get to a ship I don't know how much we want to spoil but my hope going forward is that they find their way back on board the Titan that we are back on board that do you um, want a vessel. spoiler
1: you, it's it, if The
0: spoiler is yes.
1: Then it's hinted. You could spoil. at There's lots of little Easter eggs in this, and one of them is when Raffi looks. So Raffi wow. figures out that the red lady. She starts to sort of do all these cross reference searches, and she finds out that the red lady is actually a statue to Rachel Garrett, who was the captain of the Enterprise C in yesterday's Enterprise, the, the ship that Tashiyar died on.
0: Oh, the one that kind of alternative, they gave her yeah. an alternative death. Okay, yes. right. That was a great episode. Yeah,
1: Brilliant episode. And she was the captain of that. So they were dedicating a statue to a hero of the Federation.
0: Oh, okay. She
1: goes to District 7 to basically warn the Federation that she's aware that there is an imminent terrorist attack planned, at the headquarters of the Federation, at that location. But before she gets there, when she's looking at the screen, you see in the corner the Enterprise F It's the ship that was used in the Star Trek games So in the movies we've only gone up as far as the Enterprise E That was a nemesis But the Enterprise F is sort of got It's white with like a blue streak And uh, it's quite a sexy looking ship But it says to be decommissioned So the Enterprise F is to be decommissioned But it's going to appear in this series The Enterprise F And maybe we'll see the Enterprise G If it's to be decommissioned
0: Yeah, these are all just letters to me
1: (laughs) Well, it's the Enterprise we've not seen uh, before, uh, apart from the game. Excellent. So yeah, so getting back to the plot to to get us towards the the finale of this episode. Seven senses that they're up to something. Picard and Riker are up to something. And she says, come on, spill it, tell me. And Picard, knowing Seven of Nine, he's had two seasons with her. He says, okay, look, Crusher told me, don't tell anybody, but I'll tell you. And she goes, well, I kind of guessed it already. I'm already taking us there. So she was already from the dinner. She picked up on the fact that they really needed to get there. And she thought, right, I'm going to divert the ship in the direction that they want to go. And he'll explain afterwards.
0: Because I'd forgotten that Seven of Nine was in Picard at all. I wrote, hang on a second. How come, how come Picard uh, is, how come Picard and Seven has, Seven has such a kind of a loyalty to Picard. And it actually explained itself within the, within the episode that I didn't need the previous because... It's doing a really good job of that, of not... It's excellent that needing, you didn't have to... Yeah. You don't have to watch the previous anything. So she... In Even with Raffi,
1: you don't need to know her backstory. You just get a sense of her in that scene. Yeah. It,
0: she says, in the, there's a moment in it where it's just one line where Seven says to Picard, she said, you and Janeway, you, it was you and Janeway who... um who basically convinced me to join Starfleet all those years ago. And it changed my life, basically. And that allusion to the history that they have together, I went, all right, Picard and Janeway together became her parents, effectively. And I just went, that was enough for me. She sees Picard as a dad. And I went, fine, I'm 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 with it.
1: She does. There have been hints that there'll be more Silver Age Star Trek characters appearing in the show. So not just The Core 7 TNG cast, but there may be others that pop up from Voyager or DS9. So let's keep our eyes peeled. So they've head in the direction of Beverly. They have snuck out in a shuttle before Shaw has realized what's happening. And he's locked the ship down. And the shuttle is heading towards the SS Elias, where Crusher is hiding in the nebula. Meanwhile, Rafi has gone to District 7, she's put in the distress signal and it hasn't gotten through and a terrorist attack has happened, like a 9-11 attack, where a portal has opened up beneath the Federation building, it's dropped into it, basically demolished and another portal has opened up over the cityscape and it's dropped all the rubble down and it's like, wow, that's a cool way to destroy two things at once.
0: You've never it was like Portal. If anyone see played the game Portal, it was Portal the game and they went, Oh, that's such a clever way of doing it. That was a good it was a, a fun terrorist attack to witness, if a terrorist terrorist attack can
1: be described as being fun. Or oh, for all our Marvel fans that listen to this podcast, it was like a sling ring from from Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there you go. They get on board. We know that Beverly's not alone on the ship. We heard a voice and she locked that person out of the the bridge before she engaged in that shootout to protect them Picard and Wiker enter the ship they're looking around they find Beverly in stasis dun 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 yeah. barely hanging in there she's been bleeding out but she's in stasis so they can save her and then there's a big reveal and the man that was on board turns out to be her son Jack Crusher yes. Picard is shocked to learn this were you shocked?
0: Uh, y- yes, I was, because I'm now...
1: Will Wheaton has a brother. Yeah,
0: that's what I was like going, what does Will Wheaton say? I think, I, honest to God, if they fucking don't do something with Wesley in this series...
1: Wesley appeared at the end of Picard season two. Did he? Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, he wasn't very was good. Was it a
0: throwaway? Was it a waste?
1: It was, there was a girl in the first two seasons that was sort of like... Um, she was like a she was like a Rey from Star Wars. She was like a, okay. she could do anything. She was like the key to it all. And yeah, yeah. Wesley turns up and says, "Like um, you're special, like me. Why don't you come and be a traveller with me?" Ah, <gasps> oh,
0: no. Why? Why did he just not? Yo, I, listen, honestly, I no disrespect to Will Wheaton. I just don't think he has the acting chops.
1: To this guy to is off. great. Already in one scene, Ed Spielers, He's great.
0: Are we are we looking for a paternity test here?
1: I'm wondering, because as I said, when Crusher is introduced, she's wearing Carol Marcus's jacket. Mm. That was where Kirk learned that he had a son he never knew about.
0: Yeah, all he has to do is just hold back his hairline, just just lift up the hairrow <laughs> and see if things are are thinning up there.
1: I'd say they're going to have to do it. That that is Picard's son.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I oh, know you would have to at this stage. That's yeah, why she? Why did she leave? Why did she just go? Well, yeah, these are all the questions that I. If if we know that Crusher and Picard, they were so right for each other. If they got pregnant, or if they have to have done at least once. Fling, yeah, but if he's like going, I fucking never did it. We never did it. Like you know, it can't be me. You know why? Or if she? I don't know. It's yeah. There's a load of questions. I'm like going. I just want to know what's happening.
1: There was a lovely line as well that I that I made a note of that I want to. Quote, and it was when they were heading towards the ship, and Riker goes, Heck of a view.
0: He doesn't say no. heck, he
1: goes, Hell of a view. And Picard says, The kind we spent half a lifetime chasing. And Riker says, And the other half missing the chase. And Picard looks at him and goes, Are you enjoying yourself, Will? Yeah. I'm like, Aren't you? And I thought, This is lovely. This is what you want. It feels like. This is the right kind of last hurrah. Certainly.
0: Can I give uh, the one thing that throws me completely throws me out of these sh- of these series of these shows is when I hear a character swearing. Does I don't like that. Them?
1: I don't like the swearing at all.
0: There was one utterance of shit. Seven early on says in the it, episode, doesn't she? And it's just like, ah, oh, stop, stop, don't, d- just wash your mouth out. Don't do that. Leave the swearing to me.
1: There was a line that was in season one of Picard, and it was like. An admiral said to to Picard, the fucking hubris or or something like that, she said, the fucking audacity. Mm. And I thought, this is awful. I hate this. Gene Roddenberry would be using his phaser on high intensity on all these people. Anyone within Federation won't swear.
0: Fair enough, you might have, you know, characters who are just like the civilians, effectively. Let them swear.
1: The only time I've liked swearing in Star Trek was when, Data said, oh shit, as they were heading to crash on the planet.
0: Yeah. I love that. I
1: love that. So Will, Mm. Picard has learned, Beverly has a son, Jack, named after Picard's best friend who was killed. That Picard feels guilty about his death, even to this day, I'd imagine. And just as he's reeling from that, in comes the big villain that's been off in the shadows in their massive big ship that looks like a Klingon bird of prey, but also a Romulan ship, but also like the scimitar or whatever it was yeah. from Nemesis. I can tell you what that ship is called and who. You can give me the name. Mm hmm. What is it? Shrike. The ship is called the Shrike. And it's Captain Vadic's ship. And Captain okay. Vadic is played by Christopher Plummer's daughter, Amanda Plummer. She's the big he villain.
0: And Christopher... uh, We have Christopher Plummer who played a Klingon
1: from Undiscovered Country. Yep. Duplista's Klingon in Undiscovered Country. It couldn't be his daughter though because I don't believe that she's Klingon and also she would probably be about 200 years old.
0: True. But hey, we don't know how they age.
1: Well, Warf is going to turn up in snow white hair and a snow white beard. I'd be happy to see him. Me too. Can't wait. Yeah. Well, Will, what did you think of this episode? I, I was won over by this episode. I want to watch episode two. Me too. Next week. Yeah,
0: I I really really uh, I thought it was I thought it was very good. I didn't think I, I didn't come out of it going oh my god this is just this is this is this is everything. It feels like this is going to be one long feature film. Mm-hmm, that's okay, what he said. So we got yeah. So this feels like the first twenty minutes of that one long feature film, and I'm on board. I want to see out the rest of this journey.
1: What did you think, Kevin? I thought it was shite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You hit that one pretty well.
1: No, this to me feels like it's going to be everything that I want out of a reunion for the TNG cast. I'm into it. There's a mystery. They've got the tone right. It looks good. It feels good, which is the main thing. The only thing that I... There was two things that I was a bit iffy on. One was... I think that Michelle Hurd can kind of overact at times. Who's Michelle Hurd now? Raffi.
0: You see, I, didn't, I never liked any of those characters. She's one of them.
1: She's just a little bit too performative. And the other thing is, Picard or Patrick Stewart is very, 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 very old. He's got
0: Riker there propping him up. As long as Riker's beside him, he's not going to fall over and break a hit.
1: Would you like it more if... if Everywhere that that Picard went, Riker was holding his hand, just walking him down. (laughs) Down this way, sir. And let me just open that door for you. Do you want to sit down? Will I get your tray for you? Do you want a cup of tea?
0: If Riker, honestly, if if they had a wheelchair and Picard
1: was in the wheelchair, I'd be much happier. Crash, crash, get up there and get a cup of tea for, for your admiral. This is your dad's best mate i i wrote uh i i made a
0: note of my favorite moment of the of this episode and it was the moment when the 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 uss titan leaves space dock mm. and it brought back that it was the the, the score as well the the, the use of sc- score that was uh that under uh, underscored it it just brought back that sense of awe and and wonder of uh that we that we got from those original.
1: Making the ships feel like characters.
0: Yeah, give them their big hulking objects that need a lot of people to operate to uh to to, to take them out. And there was a sense of a big grand adventure beginning. And I love that quality, I love that tone. I hate dark espionage in Star Trek. Dark espionage mm-hmm. shouldn't be it can be there in the side sidelines of Star Trek, but at the centre of Star Trek, it should be about discovery and adventure, and at its heart, a, a cast of characters that care about each other, and we like being in their company. And this episode brought that back to me.
1: I'd agree with that. This is the characters being driven by their affection for one another. One of our oldest friends is in trouble. We got to help her. That's all you need. You've. That's all you need. The characters know. Are in heading in the right direction. You can have them rub up against each other. They can disagree. They can they can fall out. They can they can f- have their little japes and stuff. But you know that they're on the right track. Which is this is a rescue story, and maybe it will mm-hmm. pivot from here. I'm fascinated to to see what the the first conversation is going to be between Picard and Crusher. What they're going to say to each other, and how they're going to communicate with each other. Because who knows what's gone down. But I'm fully on board, and I'm loving it so far. And hopefully. We can keep watching them and keep enjoying them as much as this. Yep, yeah, I'm on board. And you guys will keep listening.
0: Yeah, this is a whole new experiment for us. We're it actually is. going to do a watch along. We are. Fucking hell. We'll Tell actually your friends. start outputting more, more episodes now but that we're <laughs> on a hiatus than when we're actually making the main show.
1: So there you go. This is our first reaction to episode one of Picard season three. It's called Part 1, The Next Generation. It's available to watch on Amazon Prime right now. And I can't wait for Episode 2. Will, good to talk to you. Make it so, Kevin. Great to talk to you. Next time. Kevin out. and here is a clip from the lads latest mini bits bonus show the full episode plus 100 more are available on their Patreon the best bits for Willem Kevin no the best bits for Kevin Willem with the films the, with the TV and the latest films something, something 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 um don't forget that you owe us 3 euro so <laughs> you okay. can't remember. what <laughs> oh my god I, I did a whole Irish theme the best bits for Kevin Van Willem Talking deviantly. <laughs> okay, right I'm gonna find the fucking thing Because it's gonna be the music to start the episode I don't think I've heard this You have Well, maybe you haven't I don't think, think know, I have heard this I do I suspect that what you do is you just put the laugh and emoji thing And think I'll listen to that some other time Fuck, that'll <laughs> do Because it's bound to be funny In his eyes So yeah. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear I actually only laugh the emoji when I've actually listened to it. I should have taken the hint that nobody was responding to the PodBot one. Like, nobody was giving me any reaction to it. And oh. I thought, they hadn't listened to it yet. And then, of yeah. course, I was delighted with that. And people hated it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not, it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy on the ears in the, in the sense that it was just her monotone voice. So there was no up and down.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I tried my best. You're a bug, and I'm a feature. Pray to this mantis, or I'll eat you. And if you don't know my name, here's an update to teach you.
0: I'm I'm, I'm Pubbus, and I'm the future. An AI podcasting computer. The number 1010011 producer.
1: That's exactly what you did. Don't forget, now you owe us three euro. I come off the stage I've not
0: I've I've not heard this. I swear to God.
1: I'm going to send it to you right now and you can get a genuine reaction.
0: I'll actually listen to it. So I'm, i have my WhatsApp open.
1: Come <laughs> off
0: That's genuinely my first time hearing that. <laughs> I just could easily have just scrubbed it from my memory. That's the other thing that could happen. How do you operate? I, 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 I generally just go on impulses. So if I need to toilet, I just toilet, and it does I do, that doesn't necessarily mean or I need to squat, be in the proximity like a of a toilet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying you just go. I just nappy it, Kevin. I just man. I just
1: adult nappy it. Oh, we've got loads to talk about. Yes, um, I've watched a load of things. <laughs> so have I. But I think I should get one thing off my chest straight away because I think the discourse out there sometimes can feel really artificial to me and it can feel like people w- will films to be worse than they are in order right. to have something to point at and ridicule and sort of create content about. Should I start the timer? Is this, have, you, have we just started? Start the timer because I'm ready okay. to go.
0: I saw Madam Web. right. I honestly, guys, know nothing. All I all I know is I saw a poster of very recently. It went, "There's a Madam Webb film," and I'm what is this? It? So it's a Spider Verse adjacent Marvel movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of these Sony things where they did Venom and they're doing Kraven the Hunter, okay. and it's sort of an offshoot of the Spider Man movies. But i don't right. know what universe they're in because they're trying to blend them all together so is this the toby Maguire spider-verse to me it feels like it's in that space mm. anyway i thought i'm done with superhero movies i'm just over them i watched captain marvel not re- long ago and i thought it was just tedious you it's so like the marvels
0: not captain marvel
1: is that marvels well yeah. she's in it captain marvel captain yeah. marvel 2. It was just sort of like, it was another one of those films that felt like Ant Man in that everything was chemical and synthetic and fake and mm-hmm. airless. And, you know, you just have Sewn Stage after Sewn Stage. And I just feel profoundly depressed watching those films where I feel like, yes, there's nothing organic happening in these. From the lines of dialogue to the hairstyles to the costumes to the sets to the music to everything, just feels—it's artificial, authentic.
0: wafer thin, just wafery, artificially no sustenance, no satisfaction. You no protein in it whatsoever. You feel like, oh yeah. wow, I just I just put something down my throat,
1: and I'm still hungry. It feels like eating plastic. Okay, on the whole, it's just drifted so far away from what Iron Man was that I just don't care about them yet. I found the Flash really fun because it was it felt like a Bill and Ted type movie at times. It was off the wall bonkers and I don't really particularly give a shit about special effects. Whether they're good or bad, you know, I can buy into it because of the ideas behind it or the concepts behind it. So I wasn't like revolted by the, the special effects of the flash. I just thought, you know, it's mm. funny to see babies falling out of windows and being put into microwaves and things like that. So I went into Madam Webb not really giving a fuck about the genre but I wanted to see it for the sake of having an opinion on it and the trailer was awful it had that terrible line reading in it from Dakota Johnson where she's she's shitting out exposition okay. and I think people had the film's cards marked at that stage and uh, the film itself to me played like a final destination action thriller and I thought it was really pleasant it didn't bother me in the slightest I didn't have any of the issues that everybody else has it was Uh, a reluctant hero with no superpowers whatsoever other than having premonitions trying to keep three teenage girls alive against somebody who's like the evil version of Spider-Man who wants to murder them and they just played that out in a very cinematic way where it felt like a Sam Raimi type Spider-Man it looked as good as that it was all real locations for me it felt like a lovely throwback to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films and I don't get why everybody loads the film. I thought it was just fun. Oh, wow.
0: Uh, All I've seen is the negative discourse. And you're the first voice. I believe, and I haven't listened to the episode because I haven't watched the film yet. I know the Cinemile had differing views. Oh, fuck.
1: Me and Kathy, we were so far the only people that I know who don't think the film is dire. But... Dave almost had a hernia on that episode. It was very (laughs) enjoyable listening to it. I
0: had to listen to it. I'm really
1: curious. I'm really curious. He was disgusted because Catty was pushing back and I thought it was very, very funny. And then when I saw it, I was like, do you know what? I am actually on the side of Catty here. This is actually grand. This is actually grand. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It didn't feel like a superhero movie, so I liked it for that reason. Oh,
0: it's okay. I'm just gonna look up some of the the credits,
1: and this. I like Dakota um, Johnson's performance as well. She was playing this sort of curmudgeonly, antisocial character, and to put that type of person in the role of having to be a protector is actually really fun for me. And it's a role that you don't see many female characters inhabiting. That's more like a Harrison Ford type role, and um, I enjoyed it. So I don't get why everyone is shitting their britches over it. It's grand.